Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Listen Closely. I am your host, Bobby, and Merry Christmas. If you are listening to this, Christmas is happening or has happened, depending on when exactly you celebrate. But yeah, you should be listening to this on Christmas Day or like, you know, maybe a couple days after. Maybe you're a little delayed or maybe for some reason I get delayed, whatever have you. But Merry Christmas. It is still Christmas season, regardless of when you hear this. Like Halloween, we are going to be talking about the Christmas origin stories and basically how Christmas became Christmas. You know, I already spoke on Krampus a little bit. You know, I got into him. And like I said, just like Halloween, where I started to tell you, you know, the origins of like the jack-o'-lantern and things that we do. I'm going to be doing the same thing, but Christmas version. And if you haven't already, follow me on all my social medias at HTT Listen Closely where you can find tons more content, you know, posts and videos and just all kinds of good stuff to go along with some of the stuff that I talk about. And before I go any further without introducing him, because I'm a terrible person, John is actually joining us this episode. Hey, guys. And he's mainly joining us this episode. I mean, plus he loves me, but also he loves Christmas. Yeah. Like he is the Clark Griswold of the family. Mr. Christmas. You are. I mean, like, this year we've been kind of, like, crazy hectic and not really in the Christmas mood. Yeah. But, like, the closer it comes, the more in the mood we kind of get. Yeah. I was really upset. I didn't even get to put up Christmas lights this year. But that just means next year is going to be ten times better. But to be fair, like, we still have Halloween decorations up because yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I, I just, I'm slacking. I'm, this year's gone by really fast. Absolutely. So, I mean, I even said, well, you know what? We'll just put Christmas lights on the coffin outside. It's fine. Yeah. People do that, right? Sure. I guess so. I mean, we do it. It's fine. I mean, that's, yeah. People will probably pass by my house and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's Bobby with Listen Closely. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) But let's get into this Christmas origin stuff. Okay. What are we talking about? We're talking about the origins of Christmas. Right. So I don't know if you listened to my Halloween special, but basically I said, you know, Halloween, Mm -hmm. which actually is just like Christmas. It started out kind of like in the pagan origins correct yeah and then it kind of grew into a more christian origin and then here we are yeah halloween you know like you said in your halloween episode which i did watch uh marks the end of summer solstice so it's you know it's all about back then it started with pagan rituals and stuff of that nature and it's and it can be the same same thing can be said for christmas Right, because it's actually kind of like the celebration of the winter solstice. Correct. Can you imagine all these solstices? It, yeah. It's starting to make sense. But the winter solstice, which was celebrated called Yule, that was celebrated from December 21st through January. Right. And that's in recognition of the return of the sun. And and understand that the, Nor- the Norse people, they had festivals for everything. Oh, yeah. Like, they had parties all the time. It's kind of like New Orleans. Right. And so they were, they were always, even after a battle, like they would go battle and, and apparent victory, they would come back and they would just have these great massive parties and they would bury their dead and they would hang out and have fun and drink and be merry because they won, you know, uh, at a cost, but they did win. So this is the, the winter solstice is no different than that. It is just it, for them, it was one massive party, but it meant something, you know? 
Like, it's it's how they please their gods. Right. So. And, of course, being Christianity and being, we're going to have to bring it up, the Catholics. Right. Because they were the main church at the time. The Catholics then took over the pagan holiday because they converted those people over by, you know, like, hey, they have this holiday. Let's work in for us in our favor. Right. Basically, hey, we don't like the way they celebrate this holiday, so we're going to take it over. And we're going to make it all about. Uh, things other than their gods. Right. And it was actually Pope Julius I who chose December 25th as the first, you know, Christmas celebration, right. whatever have you at the time. Because, you know, the Bible, it doesn't actually mention the actual date of Jesus Christ's birth. So uh, in, in reading, you know, it actually says that they chose that date, the church chose a date in an effort to adopt and absorb one of their festivals called Saturnalia, which, like I said, they have massive festivals. So that was one that they were like, okay, well, this festival is on this day. Let's change that festival and make it something involving, you know, Christianity, the church. So, So, and they figured, hey, let's go ahead and kind of bring Jesus in with this and let's get them to understand and maybe accept a little bit better by, you know, mixing it in with some of their stuff. So it was actually first called the Feast of Nativity. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah, it makes it complete sense when you actually think about it. So now that we kind of got like a basic of how Christmas became like Christmas. I mean, at the time it wasn't Christmas exactly. We're still not there yet. Right. But it's the Feast of Nativity. Like it's starting to get into the more 18th, 19th century to early 17th century. And things start to kind of shake up again. Christmas actually was not really Christmas. I mean, at the time people were in poverty. People were, you know, they were just struggling really bad. Right. I mean, you had the wars at the time, you know, just... A lot going on to where basically everybody just couldn't deal with it. So they had to basically try and change it, reinvent it, make it a more happier, good occasion. So basically what happened is in the early 17th century, you know, with the religious reforms and changes that they basically changed the way Christmas was celebrated in Europe. Again, this is still Europe time. We're not really in America right now. Right. Um, But in 1645, Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces that took over England vowed to get rid of get rid of Christmas. And by popular demand, Charles II was restored to the throne and with him came the return of the popular holiday. So basically, they're like, you know what, let's get rid of Christmas. We don't want to do it because it is a Catholic holiday. Well, turned Catholic holiday. So we just as a Puritan, I want to get rid of it. And then. Lo and behold, it came back. Right. And and you have to understand at that point in history, you know, that was Martin Luther. That was the the 95 thesis that he pinned on the door. But that was a Catholic church that was very misguided, you know, the paying for your sins and stuff like that. So these Puritan forces were like, hey, we don't like this anymore. We're not going to bow over to this. And so when they looked at that holiday in, in Christmas as a whole, they're like, this is a... Not a not a def, not a definite holiday. It's a Catholic holiday, so we don't want to do it. And so they canceled it until, like you said, Charles II came back into power, and then it was you know renewed. But right. um, and I, yeah, and then we go back to you know you know finally we're starting to get into America, and America is becoming its own thing. You know, we become our own country. You know, independence and stuff, and because of that. And because of they were trying to 
get away from religious persecution, they decided, hey, we're going to actually get rid of some of these English customs, which actually included Christmas. Yeah, because they were, they were in the same sentence, they were also Puritans. So they, and, and, you know, I, I read a thing that said they were actually more Puritan than Cromwell himself. So they, they did not want the holiday in America. Right. So in fact, actually Christmas wasn't declared a federal holiday until June 26th. 1870. That's crazy. That's after the Civil War. Right. Yeah, I mean, we fought so many wars and did, and became, you know, a young Berlin country, and we're not celebrating Christmas. You you know, you would think that everybody was doing Christmas at that time, and they just weren't. It wasn't a holiday. They, they might, there might have been some that were celebrating it, but it wasn't a national holiday. Right. Yeah. And then, like I said, you know, again, because of all the periods of, conflict and turmoil you got class conflicts now with you know the middle class lower class upper class you know just and we still see that today so it's not anything new but then you got you know gangs rioting and you know just different people just going crazy especially around the christmas season because we all know even this like in this day and time that the christmas season is a stressful time i mean you have you got to you just think about oh i've got to buy this and this and this and this for that person like, it's a stressful time. Right. Christmas wasn't the same again. Again, we went through another, basically, Christmas riot. So we had to basically change the way Christmas was celebrated again, and especially in America. Right. So this this is the, what, third or fourth time that Christmas has changed to meet the ideas of the people that are surrounding it. It got reinvented quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Because basically, if I wasn't rich, I couldn't celebrate. Absolutely. Kind of like a, kind of like in the old English days when you had, like, serfs and manners, you know, like the the higher ups were the ones that were celebrating in the in the houses while the serfs were you know the laborers and stuff so they weren't celebrating right which brings us to actually one of the most famous things about christmas which is a christmas carol yeah i mean that literally describes what that is about absolutely guy was a penny pincher and, and that's you know not only is it uh my second favorite christmas movie of all time but it it tells such a a riveting story about you know, the way that the rich treated the poorer people. Right. And, you know, like, that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, I remember in one time in the, in the book where he talks about, you know, can he have one lump of coal for the fire? And he tells him, he's like, it's coming at your paycheck. You know, like, that's that's how they treated him, you know. But it, it's, uh, it's de- it, it definitely was classist and, and it was – it was not what we celebrate as Christmas today. Yep, but, you know, that A Christmas Carol did show us that, you know, the the true importance is of charity and goodwill towards all humankind and that it's more of a family holiday. Correct. So, you know, at the end, it doesn't matter how much money you have as long as you, you know, were with your family and friends and loved ones. Right. So that really changed the tone of Christmas again. That Right there, Charles Dickens, he, he created, like, basically the Christmas that we know. Right. And this is actually a trick question for John because I didn't know his answer. But who do okay. you think invented the Santa Claus that we know today? Okay, so we talked about this before the show, and I always thought that it was Coca-Cola. But you have corrected me on that, so I'm going to let you entertain them with that answer. Yes, yeah, so, spoiler alert, it was not Coca-Cola, Although they have a very good campaign and, you know, that classic Santa Claus right. image. 
It was not Coca-Cola. So the legend of Santa Claus can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas, uh, who was born in Turkey around 280 AD. St. Nicholas gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside, helping the poor and sick, becoming known as the proctor of children and sailors. Uh, St. Nicholas first entered American popular culture in the late 18th century in New York City when the Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas. Yeah. And basically, we abbreviated his name and called him Santa Claus. Right. And and some of the, I don't know where I've heard that from, but the Sinister Claus, like, I don't know where that's from, but that's what they called, that was one of the names for St. Nicholas. I think it was Dutch. Yeah, it was Dutch, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. I like that. Which we already kind of talked about him a little bit because we talked about his counterpart, which was Krampus. Right. So he was the good version. Correct. St. Nicholas. And um, in 1822, the Episcopal minister, Clement Clark Moore, wrote a Christmas poem called An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, which more popularly known today by its first line... Twas the, the night, night before, before Christmas. Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. The poem depicted Santa Claus as a jolly man who flies from home to home on a sled driven by reindeer to deliver toys. So, again, now we're starting to get more into the Santa Claus and Christmas we know. Right. The iconic version of Santa Claus as a jolly man in red with a white beard and a sack of toys was immortalized in 1881 not by Coca-Cola, but when a political cartoonist, Thomas Nast, drew on Moore's poem to create the image of old St. Nick we know today. Wow, that's cool. So not Coca-Cola. Although I don't know when that Coca-Cola like ad started. It had to be in, like, what, the it was, 20s? I want to say it was the 20s. Um, I thought so, because it looks more in the, like in the 20s. So back in the day, I don't know if you remember this, but they used to make plates. And the plates, Coca-Cola came out with one each year. And it was always a depiction of Santa Claus doing something on the plate. And if you have all of those plates, like right now, you're pretty rich because those plates are worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So apparently it is not a outlandish question to ask because I literally just Googled Coca-Cola Santa. And the first thing that popped up was Coca-Cola Company's like website, yeah. And the question was, did Coca Cola create Santa? Like they have <laughs> they, an actual page for this. People ask them all the time. I'm sure. And it says Coca Cola did not create the legend of Santa Claus, but Coca Cola advertising did play a big role in the shaping of the jolly character we know today. So it says in 1931, Coca Cola commissioned illustrator Haddon Sundblom, I believe is his name to paint Santa for Christmas advertisements. And he also drew upon that 1822 poem. We'll see, there you go. Twas the night before Christmas that we know. And that's how he got that picture. So, I mean, like, yes and no. Like, that poem, if that poem weren't there, we would not know what what Santa Claus looks like. We wouldn't have the bearded red guy. Right. So, there you go. Coca-Cola did it. They have an actual page for it that says, no, we didn't do it. Sorry. But they did definitely help influence it. Right. I know I gave, during Halloween, I gave the origins of the jack-o'-lantern, which was right. like, you know, one of the main things that you think Halloween jack-o'-lantern. So what do you think the Christmas tree origin is? So I I feel like I used to know this. Um, that I don't know. What do you, what is it? 
So the use of evergreen trees, reefs, and garland often symbolized eternal life, and it was actually a custom of ancient Egyptians, Chinese, and Hebrews. Hmm. Uh, the tree worship was common among the pagan Europeans and survived their conversion to Christianity. Again, that's where we saw you know, them trying to convert, so from paganism to Christianity, which is really more Catholicism right. in the Scandinavian uh, areas. And, yeah, they decorated their barns and houses and stuff with the evergreens to scare away the devil and setting up the tree for the birds basically during Christmas time. Okay, that makes sense. And, if you again, if you think about it, yule logs, yule right. trees. Yule trees, yeah. Makes sense. Um, the modern Christmas tree that we know, however, originated in Western Germany. The main prop of a popular medieval play about Adam and Eve was a paradise tree, which was a fir tree hung with apples that represented the Garden of Eden. The Germans set up a paradise tree in their homes on December 24th, the religious feast day of Adam and Eve. They hung wafers on it, which symbolizes the Eucharistic host. And in later traditions, the wafers were replaced by cookies in various shapes, then candles, which were symbolic of Christ as the light of the world. And yeah, so I mean, that basically, like, you know, so it, again, like everything else, I mean, just like the jack-o'-lantern got converted and changed and, you know, certain parts did certain things. Right. You know, we saw the Scandinavians and the Germans having basically like a tree type thing up for their things and the pagans. And we were just like, hey, we're going to take that. We're going to kind of reinvent it. Yeah. So, I mean, that just seems to be most of our holidays <laughs> seem to be us reinventing other people's holidays. <laughs> That's it. Do, do we actually have any holidays that uh, of, that we made up ourselves? Yes, actually we do. Okay. I mean, like, don't uh, quote July me on 4th, this. July 4th, obviously. Well, no, but don't quote me on this. <laughs> but Mother's Day was invented by a woman in America. Yeah, I, and I also believe that Valentine's Day was uh, made by the Hallmark Corporation. I'll have to check that, but I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think originally... But again, you also thought Coca-Cola. I guess Christmas. I guess so. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. But anyways. So there we go. Now we have the origin of the Christmas tree, which is like, you know, one of the main things about Christmas that I think of. Like when you think Christmas, you think Santa Claus, Christmas tree, and probably Rudolph. But actually, now that I mentioned Rudolph, do you know anything about him? The most famous reindeer of all? I mean, I know that he has a red nose and he guided Santa sleigh on a very... Uh, winter cold stormy winter's night well you might also now know that he was a product of robert l may's imagination in 1939 hmm. the copywriter wrote a poem about the reindeer to help lure customers into the montgomery ward department store so of course it was about making more money of course i mean you know it got really commercialized let's be honest christmas is just a very commercialized just like halloween now it's very commercialized right i mean even krampus i talked about him he's getting more commercialized yeah i mean it's just it's the way of the world absolutely i mean that's just everything now these days right but i mean you know some people are still keeping the older traditions alive and you know people i mean including me because i'm doing this episode we try to tell you of you know why we do the things we do where things came from because you don't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that I learned something about Christmas that I did not know. I was actually looking at an article and I, you know, because everybody and their mom has a manger scene in their house, right? Or outside or you see it in front of your church or, you know, whatever it is. I never understood why. I, I just realized that they don't put the baby in the manger until Christmas Day. So, like, in and I know we talked about this, but 
I don't know if it's just Catholics or if it's like everybody that does this. I know Catholics do it. Right. Full disclosure, I'm Catholic, if you haven't guessed already. <laughs> um, so I am the Catholic of the bunch. And we've always done it this way, but I didn't know like other people didn't, or at least John didn't. Yeah. So I don't we've know. We've always had our, our baby in the manger at all times. Right. So I don't know if it's like a Catholic Protestant thing or if it's just certain churches that don't do it. I don't know. But yeah, we do not put out baby Jesus because he hasn't been born yet. Right. And it makes sense. You know, I just never thought of it. And when I seen when I, I seen that article about it, I was like, man, you know what? That makes a ton of sense. And I think I'm going to start doing that with our manger scene now. <laughs> yeah. And some people actually don't even put out the wise men yet. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense for them to be there. Yeah, so what they'll do is they'll put out uh, Mary and Joseph, and that's it. And, yeah. like, the little animals. And the donkey and the sheep. And, and that's it. And then, yeah. you know, Christmas, when we do Midnight Mass, you know, after Mass, we go and we put out baby Jesus because he's now born. Right. And then the wise men are still not there because we actually have another holiday. Yeah. We have the Three Kings Day. Or, and I can pronounce it now, Dia de las Reyes. Right. Which is where we see the king cake come from. And that's when the, the three kings show up and they present their gifts to the baby, to the newborn king. And that's actually in, well, at least in Hispanic culture, some families do Christmas and then they also do Three Kings Day. Right. While others will only do Three Kings Day. Right. Like you'll get like small little like candies and stuff for Christmas. Yeah. Because the big day is Three Kings Day. And I'll have to I'll have to talk her into doing an episode because that whole that whole celebration is really cool. But I mean, <laughs> it falls on a Thursday, but I'm sure I can, you know, stretch it to the to the eighth. Yeah, yeah. It's not that far away. Yeah, that's just real quickly some things about Christmas. Like I said, I did this for Halloween. I actually skipped Thanksgiving, so I do apologize about that one. Because I probably should have said some stuff about where Thanksgiving came from. Yeah. But, you know, these bigger holidays have more history on them. Right. So I just wanted to real quickly give you just a just give you a little history on where things came from, why we do the things we do. In case you're not in the Christmas spirit, this might get you in the Christmas spirit. Or if you're even over it, you've, you're listening to this like after Christmas. I mean, it's still, it gives you some context. Right. So is there anything you want to add to the Christmas episode? Nope. I just hope that everybody uh, has a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. All right. And if you can only do one thing, what should you do, John? Listen closely. See you next year, my lovelies.